So if you've got your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to open them up to uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, a very familiar prophecy, especially during Advent, that uh, is in Scripture. And in Isaiah, uh, the Bible calls Jesus our Prince of Peace, and He is most assuredly that. And I want to take time and read verses 6 and 7 out of Isaiah chapter 9 for us again this morning. So you can follow along in your Bibles or on your phone, the Bible on your phone, or on the screen behind me. This is what Isaiah writes. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Well, peace was also a part of Jesus' birth announcement. Do you remember how the angels came to the shepherds out in the fields and the announcement that they gave to them about the birth of God's Son? Look at Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. It's on the screen behind me. This is what the Word tells us. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest of heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So we have peace uh, that's prophesied about the the coming Messiah that would come with the coming Messiah. And and God's way to introduce the birth of his son is to announce through a proclamation of peace, peace that's come to the earth. My wife Diane, her family, uh, takes time to read the Christmas story out of Luke chapter 2 every Christmas. And it's, I think it's one of my most favorite times uh, of, of Christmas is when we get together as a family and we read that passage out loud. And even, uh, you know, in the midst of that story, just the, the feeling of um, sacredness and calmness and just a sense of peace that overwhelms me when I hear that story being read out of Scripture is just uh, uh, really special. And even the Christmas carols we sing around Christmas, uh, just really, there's a sense of peace that comes through those Christmas carols uh, around the birth of Jesus. Think about it. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. You feel the peace that comes with that song? Or uh, there's the other song, A Little Town of Bethlehem. We sang it earlier in the service. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee rise. Still, peace, peaceful. God rest ye merry gentlemen. God rest. There's peace. There's peace that's just incorporated in so many of these carols that are around Christmas. And if peace is a significant part of the Christmas story, you know, part of me wonders why too often we are, are lacking a sense of peace surrounding Christmas. You know, sometimes we look at the gospel message and we wonder, where is the peace that Jesus is supposed to be bringing to us? If you don't believe it, take a look at the newspaper articles, the, the articles on Facebook, on the, the web, around Christmas. And the titles of so many of these articles are about conflict and stress and pressures of the holiday season and how to get everything done by, by working smarter and not harder and how to get along with the relatives around the holidays, around that special meal that sometimes there's pressure or tension around and How do I buy the present that everybody's going to want and nobody's going to want to take back in exchange? You know, just all these articles about the pressures and the stress around Christmas and how we can handle them. And people are seeking peace, but 
it seems to elude them. And maybe it's because we're looking for peace in all the wrong places. And just because we're Christians doesn't mean we're exempt from the stresses that seem to have a way of robbing us of peace in this time. There seems to be a disconnect between the peace we feel when we read and we sing about Jesus' birth and the reality of our own experience, the reality of the world that we live in. In fact, if we look closer at the story, the biblical story, the facts of history, it shows us that the days and the events that surround the birth of Jesus seem to be anything but peaceful. And yet I think we romanticize that story and we forget to kind of read really what's going on in the Scripture and really how difficult it was, that situation that Jesus came into the world through. So I want you to consider with me just a few of those challenges that were lacking peace at that time. First, the political situation that lacked peace at that time. Pax Romana is the phrase that the Romans used. It was the peace of Rome. It was their motto. And as they were going about conquering lands and nations, they were trying to bring their rule to bear in this rule of peace, the peace of Rome. But the rule of peace came at a high cost. The nation of Israel was occupied by Rome. They'd been defeated. They were occupied. They had Roman soldiers and rules now in place. And Rome kept the peace as long as you obeyed and as long as you paid your taxes. Peace was kept as long as you did what you were told to do. Civil disobedience, not paying your taxes, those kinds of things would lead to imprisonment, sometimes beating, even, as we know from Jesus' own story, crucifixion. So that doesn't sound like a real peaceful kind of existence, does it? The peace of Rome doesn't seem to be very peaceful. Imagine if China had had, uh, conquered the United States and they took us over and they were occupying our land with their troops and they were making us pay taxes to pay for their troops occupying our space and pay for the war that they had defeated us in. And they were bringing their peace, but not our peace. And we had to obey their rules in order to experience their peace. Does that sound very peaceful to you? It doesn't sound peaceful to me. And the fact that a census is being taken, uh, the census was so that the Roman government could figure out how much more money they could extract from the Palestinians to pay for all of this. And so it required that Joseph had to make a journey from where he lived to his hometown of his ancestors. And, and others had to follow this rule and this order as well. And the trip for most would have been less than peaceful. The trip from Bethlehem to, or from the Nazareth to Bethlehem would have been about 80 miles. And most people would have walked it. Can you imagine if we had to go take a census every 10 years and we had to walk to Wichita in order to take the census? That wouldn't be a very peaceful trip, would it? And imagine if your wife was nine months pregnant and she had to go with you. We don't know for sure if Mary walked or if she rode a donkey or if she rode in a cart. But I can't imagine either one of those. If you're a woman who's nine months pregnant, women, what does that feel like to go 80 miles in that kind of a situation? Not very peaceful. So if you're a parent of two or more children, you've likely experienced trips that are less than peaceful, right? Think about the things that you hear from the back seat on those kind of trips. Things like, are we there yet? 5,000 times before you get there, right? He's touching me. Her stuff's on my side of the car. She won't stop looking at me. Just all these things that happen. And, and honestly, trips sometimes just aren't very peaceful. And some of you are getting ready to take one of those kind of trips in the next few days. <laughs> Woohoo! Right? It's going to be great. And thanks so much, Pastor, for bringing peace into my family. We're going to get there eventually in the message. Just hang on. So the event of the census certainly brought more challenge and difficulty 
to many people than it could ever have brought peace into that situation. The Romans could have cared less about the difficulty that it created in people's lives. The Romans didn't care about bringing peace to the lives of others that were around them. And I think the challenge for us that I take out of that this Christmas, and I think every day, is this. Do we take a Roman approach to Christmas or do we take God's approach to Christmas? Let me explain it this way. In the wake of all that happens around the holidays, especially Christmas, are our actions dispensing peace to those that we come in contact with? Are we offering bringing peace to those people, to people in our relationships? Or are our actions actually taking away peace from those people and, and causing dissension or problems? Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and we as his loyal people of the kingdom, and I pray this Christmas that we as the people of Christ are, are, are placing into the lives of those around us peace rather than unrest or difficulty. I want us to consider just for a moment the relational challenges that lacked peace in the time that Jesus came into the world at his birth. Think about the tension between Mary and Joseph when Joseph learned that Mary was pregnant and they had not yet been together according to the biblical sense of that phrase. Imagine the tension in that relationship. It's hard to imagine how difficult that would have been. And we're told that Joseph had the right, if he wanted to, to have her stoned in that situation. He chose instead not to do that and to quietly divorce her. That was his plan. And then an angel of the Lord came to him in a dream at night and and convinced him that this was God's will, that God was at work actually in this way, that her story was real and not a falsehood. And so, and he believed. He believed the angel. He believed Mary. And he took her as his wife. But do you think that Joseph's family believed the story? Would your family have believed that story if you told them that story? Do you think there was a bit of tension at the family gathering of Joseph around the dinner table at that time? Do you think the people of Nazareth believed the story? Imagine the things that were being said in their hometown about them. It doesn't seem like a really peaceful environment, does it? How many of us have tension in our primary family relationships or in our extended family that really become a little bit more challenging during the Christmas season? You know, Christmas for most of us is supposed to be this wonderful time and a beautiful time of getting together. And yet for some of us or for many of us, it's just not always that peaceful. We try to put on a good face. We try to forget the hurtful words or actions and sometimes pretending that the relational challenges don't exist. And the tension that Jesus' family would have experienced makes the Christmas story even more meaningful to me. Because the reality is that this story is not just some fairy tale. But rather, it's a story about how Jesus came into this family relationship and family dynamic with real problems and real tensions. And Jesus is born into a situation with significant relational challenges. I want us to consider for just a moment the community challenges that lacked peace at the birth of Christ. Bethlehem, the first Christmas, would not have been a peaceful place, in spite of what all the carols tell us. There was a lot of activity going on in Bethlehem, and a lot of people come in there from many different places. It was actually a rather small village, but there were a lot of people who were ancestors who were originally from Bethlehem, and so they're all converging on this little town, and there's not enough room for everybody. In fact, we know from the story there's no room at the end. That's what we've heard, right? And sometimes we ourselves are the reason that we miss out on the real meaning of Christmas. You know, how, well, how much we need to take a break 
from the hustle and the bustle of Christmas. A break from shopping and from the preparation and the decorating and the cooking and the getting ready in order to take a couple of days off of work or to get out of town for a couple of days. For you and for your family, let Christ be the Prince of Peace in your Christmas. The family needs, you need, to partake of real peace. How can you do that? Here's just a couple of ideas, and I know there's got to be dozens more, but maybe one of them is sit down and read the Christmas story alone. Just take time, open the Bible up by yourself in a moment of quiet, and read the story. And spend some time just pondering this incredible thing that God has made happen. If you've got children at home, take time and sit the whole family down and have the story read out loud from Luke chapter 2. And if you've got young children, get a children's version of the Bible and do it out of the children's version so your kids can understand the story. And then take time and talk about it. What did you hear? What did you feel? What did you, what did you experience when the story was read? Find a peaceful time. Maybe for your family it's to get together and, and just play some games together. Or if you have a really competitive family, maybe you shouldn't play games together. Think about it, Right? Okay, I'm from a competitive side of the family, and there's times I've got to watch out how, how, much I res- how I respond in those moments. Maybe instead it's taking your family out and go for a walk. I mean, we've had some pretty incredible weather, you know, in the 50s in December. It's pretty unusual. Maybe it's get the family together in a car, and let's just go look at some Christmas lights tonight and just have fun together in the car. You know, our family did that on Friday night. We came back from caroling with the church had a great time caroling. We went back home and we said, hey, let's go out and look at some Christmas lights. And so Rachel's home, our daughter, for a few weeks. And so Rachel got in the car with us and, and our dog, our Yorkie Maverick, uh, one of the top three reasons he exists is to go on a car ride. So we grabbed him and put him in the car with us as well. And I had never been to see the Georgetown Santas. And so that was my deal. I said, hey, I want to go down a Georgetown Street and see the lights and experience the Georgetown Santas. And so we were going down the street. The lights were beautiful. We get to the place where the Georgetown Santas are handing out all the candy. And they look amazing, and they're having fun, and we're having fun. And they come up to our car, and the first Santa begins to hand us candy through the window, and our Yorkie lost it. He went berserk. I mean, he thought Santa was not his friend. He was his mortal enemy. In fact, he thought something bad was going to happen. And so this is the worst I've ever seen our dog. Like, he was so aggressive and barking and growling and Rachel had him by the collar and if she hadn't had him by the collar he'd have been out the window and he'd have been after him in fact I could see the headlines the next day pastors Yorkie shreds the Santa's arm bad news right it was not a peaceful experience for us and so but we had fun and we made a memory as we did that and we'll never forget my first experience with the Georgetown Santa's so but I would encourage you, maybe, I hope that Christmas light viewing would be a lot more peaceful for you. If you're going to go out, don't take your Yorkie with you to the Georgetown Santas. But if you are going to go out and look at lights, here, think about it this way. Remind one another as you're looking at those lights to remind each other that Christ is the light of the world. Who brings peace into the world. And Jesus is the light of the world came to lead mankind out of the darkness of sin, to bring peace where sin had brought problems, to bring hope where sin had only brought hopelessness, and to bring light into the darkness of mankind. I also want us to consider the childbearing that lacked peace in this story, in the birth. 
Consider the conditions that Mary gave birth to Jesus in. Right? A stable, in a, probably in a cave with livestock in it. So let's just spend a little time there thinking about that. Think about the dirt and the manure and the smells in that place. Can you imagine, is that the place you would want to have your first child in? Not so sanitary, right? And Mary herself physically was probably not experiencing a lot of peace in the moment of childbearing. Uh, the King James Bible described her condition as being great with child. And I can recall times that Diane, my wife, was, let's say, very pregnant. And I know she had to be thinking, Lord, get this child out of me. And that's kind of what Mary was going through. And physically, her situation was much less peaceful than I think anyone had ever experienced childbirth would agree that it's not a peaceful situation. Peace doesn't always mean the absence of pain. Let me say that again. Peace does not always mean the absence of pain. We can experience peace while we go through something difficult. Childbirth can be a very grueling experience, and yet when that mother holds her baby in her arms, I have never heard a woman, not one woman, say, well, that wasn't worth it. Right? I've never heard a woman say, uh, if I knew it was going to hurt that much, I would have never had the child in the first place. I've never heard him say that. In fact, when they place that precious child in the mom's arms for the first time, that mother realizes it was more than worth it. We can experience the peace of God in even the most trying circumstances. I know when our second child was born, Rachel, um, it was kind of a stressful time in my own life. Uh, I had left a really pretty good paying job to help my father-in-law with the business that he was starting. And, and you know, businesses, when they start, it's, they're kind of challenging. And you're not quite sure if they're going to be successful or not. And that's kind of where we were at when we, when, when we had our second child. And I remember thinking, this is not the economic and financial security I was looking for bringing a second child into the world. And yet, when they handed me Rachel for the first time and I held her for the first time, there was a, a sense of peace from God that was as strong as I've ever felt in my life in that moment. And so I know God's peace can show up in the, even the most difficult of situations. Is it really possible? Is it really possible? Peace, I mean. Can we really have peace on earth? Or is it just a pipe dream that we kind of hold on to during the Christmas season and then it kind of goes away after the first of the year? Jesus promised us that he would leave us his peace. In John chapter 14, verse 27, this is what Jesus said. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Did he break his promise or can we, really live, can we believe that he can really live up to his, his title, the Prince of Peace? I believe he can give us peace, an unimaginable Peace. Philippians calls this the peace of God. Philippians 4 verse 7 says, And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God can give us his peace. A peace that passes all understanding. This peace cannot be comprehended by human understanding. This is a peace that keeps us anchored when our world is crumbling. Anybody can be peaceful when your life is in order and you're sitting on a beach in a Jamaican Jamaica, and you're drinking a fruity drink out of a, an, the drink with the umbrella in it, anybody can have peace in that moment. But the peace of God can, that God gives can come uh, when your job is going nowhere, 
when your kids are driving you crazy, uh, when your finances don't add up, and it, when the storm of life feels like everything's coming apart. Does that peace sound good? It does to me. How can we have it? How can we experience that? What do I need to do to experience that type of peace? Well, to have the peace of God, you must have peace with God. It's not possible to have the peace of God without having peace with God. Having peace with God goes all the way back to the beginning of our peace problems. Each of us, because of our sin, has a problem with God. Our sin has literally separated us from God. In fact, the Bible often refers to us as in our loss and our sinful condition as enemies of God. And a reconciliation or a peace treaty had to be signed. And God's peace treaty was signed with the blood of His own Son, Jesus Christ. Through His sacrifice, we're reconciled to God. Colossians 1, verses 20 and 21 say, And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. So when we put our complete faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, our salvation is settled and we have peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want the peace of God, you have to make peace with God through Jesus, His Son. Until that occurs, we can have fleeting moments of peace, but we're never going to have the peace that passes understanding. If I haven't made my peace with God, then underneath the external peace that I will experience from time to time, there's always going to be this nagging war that rages between God and me. And He's ready to make peace. He's already offered peace to us. He's given us a gift of peace through the gift of His Son, Jesus. And what do we have to do? Well, it's really simple. Even at, especially at Christmas time, the, the season of gift giving and gift receiving, we simply have to receive God's gift of His only Son, Jesus Christ. The gift of salvation and then the gift of peace that comes to us through Him. The peace of God starts by making peace with God, but it also involves having peace within myself. That God's peace can actually bring peace within. And sometimes that's the hardest place for us to know and experience peace is internally. So often we're at conflict within ourselves about what's going on. Our inability to obtain the peace of God is often tied to an inner turmoil that we are experiencing. And it's a battle that rages within us. And ultimately, it's a control problem. We fight God for control all the time. For some strange reason, we think we can handle things better or life better than He can. And when we try to control our situation or our life, rather than simply understanding that He is in control, we are robbed of peace. Paul says this in Colossians 3, verse 15. He says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Who's sitting on the throne of your heart? Is Christ ruling your heart? Whereas the decision to make peace with God, uh, salvation is a one-time decision. The decision to maintain peace within ourselves is a day-by-day decision. It's a day-by-day decision. Am I going to pursue the spiritual things of God? Will I let God rule in my heart today? When, When I let God rule, I trust Him with everything. 
And with that trust comes the peace of God. When we have an internal war that's raging within us, it will eventually display itself in our earthly relationships. And it will have a negative impact on those relationships if we're at war with ourselves. And peace with God also calls us to peace with others, with each other. Our ability to have the peace of God can be hampered by conflict with others in our life. And we know that this is true. It's really hard to have peace if we're not in peace, especially with people who we're in close relationship with. And when your relationships stink, your life stinks. You have no peace. When my relationship conflicts are the result of my own internal conflict within myself, obviously I need to go and rectify that situation and to the best of my ability to restore those earthly relationships. Is there a relationship riff in my life that I could take steps to help restore? And doing so is going to help restore the peace of God in my life. And what if I'm right with God and some relational turmoil still exists? What if I, what if I take the necessary steps to restore the situation and the problem still remains? Well, this is what Paul said about that in Romans 12, verse 18. He said, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Again, he said, if possible, as far as it depends on you. That's all you can do. You can't make someone else be at peace with you, but you can do the right thing. You know, if we look at a relationship that has turmoil or conflict in it, if there's not peace in that relationship, you know, the first thing I think we have to do is just look and go, okay, what's my responsibility? What, what have I contributed in an unhealthy way to make this relationship not good? And I've got to take responsibility for that. And then I have to uh, humble myself And I've got to be willing to go to that person and say, I'm sorry. These are the things that I've done to disappoint you or hurt you or the ways that I've failed you. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And we can't ultimately control how that person's going to respond to us. But God says, if it's possible, as far as it is up to you, do what you can. He doesn't say that you've got to make the person respond in a positive way, the responsibility is on us to go and make a peace offering. And we do that by humbling ourselves and taking responsibility for what we can. And, and then we allow the rest to be in God's hands. If the other person doesn't respond favorably, which sometimes they don't, then we give that to God. And then God is in control. That's not ours to own anymore. You can do everything right and there may still be a problem. They may still have a problem with you. But you can have peace in what you've done, in what you've offered in that relationship. And that's a a liberating concept, and it brings great peace internally. And so kind of as we move towards closing this morning, I just want to ask, is peace on earth possible? Can I have peace? Can I have real peace? Not just kind of the fake, everything's going okay peace, but real peace. Without a question, I believe we can have peace. We can have a peace that passes human understanding if, we're gonna, if we have peace with God. But also if we maintain peace and allow God to have control of our lives and that peace will be within us and to do the best that we can to keep peace with others. So I want to close this morning just with a challenge. Uh, what area is robbing you of peace currently? As I mentioned, those three areas. Peace with God, peace within, peace with others. Is there one of those areas that you just really can sense, boy, I don't have peace. I don't have full 
peace. I don't have, you know, that peace that just really, it's going, it's going to be okay. So if that's your situation, I just invite you to take your worship guide, clip it over on the back, and take the pen in front of you, and just write the one area that you don't have peace on the back where it says sermon notes. And write that down right now. And then I'm going to just invite you uh, this morning when I close, we can pray, and you can pray and ask God to show you the next step in that area. I'm not asking you to fix everything. I just would encourage you to take that to God and ask God, what's the next step you want me to take in relationship to that area that I'm not currently experiencing peace? And, you know, one of the challenges is when we really go to work on peace in some of these areas of our life is that we get anxious because we know there's not peace and there could be conflict as we try to bring peace to the situation, and it creates anxiety within us. But if that's your situation, I'd encourage you to take hope knowing that God's peace came into a messy world. It came into a messy family. It came into a messy community. It, came in, it was a messy birth situation. Ultimately, we have to trust that God's peace is greater than our messy lives. It can enter the most difficult of circumstances. So the choice in this Christmas is simple. I would encourage you to choose the Prince of Peace. Choose the peace of God, the peace offering, the peace gift that God has offered to you. And that's peace with God. It's peace within, but it's also peace with each other. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this incredible gift of your son, Jesus. God, that Jesus himself was willing to humble himself step away from the throne in the heavens and come down to earth and take on our flesh as just even a vulnerable little baby. And to know the human existence and to love us and to give us a great hopeful message about who you are and what you what your message of hope and reconciliation is. And God, we're thankful that With Christ came this message, not of war, not of condemnation, but of peace. That God, you're the one who created us. And in our rebellion and our our walking away from you, you didn't bring condemnation, but you offered peace. And you provided the way for us to experience peace through your son, Jesus. You were the one who made the first move. And what a huge move it was. And God, we're thankful. And so, God, as we think about our own situation, help us to know if we have an area of our life that we're not feeling and know the peace, your peace in our life, help us to identify that. And, and God, give us wisdom about what's that next step that we can take in response to your offering and your gift of peace so that we might experience that peace in our own life. God, if if we don't have peace with you, Lord, help that person to offer themselves to you and to receive the gift of Christ in their life. To to invite him to be their Lord and their leader. If it's peace with them because we haven't given you full control of our lives, then God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come and that we would be obedient to, to allowing you to have more control. And if it's peace with someone else, God, then we pray that you'd help us to have the courage and the confidence 
to offer and take ownership of our part of that situation and to ask for forgiveness and to offer peace. God, these are things that are bigger than ourselves. And so, God, we ask that you'd be at work in and through this. And we're thankful, again, for the gift of Christ, the gift of peace that surpasses all understanding. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.